You can light it, bro. Light it, light it. You can light it, light it. Fucking light it. Bro, pick it up. Hey, Seth, we have a case today where the criminal just goes on a huge crime spree. Are you ready for this? I am ready, sir. All right, let's go ahead and talk through the case details. I'll start with the technology. Uh, we're going to talk about um, SIM swapping. So if you've listened to uh, prior episodes of eCrime Bytes, we've talked about SIM swapping, and we've tried to give it a little bit of an explanation um, in each episode, so I'm going to give one now if you haven't listen to our prior episodes. It basically, there's a computer chip in your mobile phone that can be swapped out and a phone number can be attached to it. And what criminals can do is basically trick or in some cases bribe a phone company to swap it out to a phone the criminals own. So that way security codes and reset codes for your um, uh like Twitter account and um, your financial accounts and so forth can then be accessed by the attacker because they are quote unquote you with your phone during the swim swapping attack. You also lose access to your phone. So this is the technology that we're going to be talking about um, during this case, but we're also going to be talking about uh, different social media accounts. So Twitter and Snapchat are two that come up to mind that we're going to be talking about a lot. And there might be other ones in here like Instagram and so forth that uh, we'll talk about um, on the periphery as well. Yeah. So the crime here involves sin swapping. It also involves unauthorized access to online accounts, which has also been a constant thread through our prior podcasts, as well as swatting. And uh, swatting also has been a constant thread. That's Essentially, when uh, somebody calls certain medical or uh, emergency services, so be it police or ambulance or fire, um, upon somebody's house when there's no reason for them to be there. So it causes a big ruckus. It upsets the uh, emergency responders. It upsets the homeowners. It's, it's, it's fairly problematic, actually. Yep. And the criminal in this case is a young man from the UK who ends up studying abroad in Spain. And the victims, uh, several from Twitter, Twitter's users, um, including uh, certain famous people, Addison Ray and Bella Thorne, uh, our perpetrator here also targeted female minors, uh, specifically children, which is also inconsistent with being awful. Yeah, and so the clinchers in this case, this case, when I researched it, I picked it and said, we're going to talk about this one because this criminal was just from beginning to end was just the most giant dick bag out of all of them. So I was like, we've got to talk about this guy. Um, another is um, it's actually a little bit of a follow on from the Twitter hack. So we're going to talk a little bit about his association with that. We purposely didn't talk about him in the last episode because we have a whole episode on this individual. So too. this is our equivalent of like the spinoff uh, show. So yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, the clincher that we've had on every episode, which is I try to pick cases that are easily defensible. Um, we'll talk about at the end some different things that you can do to try to defend the, against these attacks, like not putting sensitive information out there. Um, but there, these are some of the more difficult to defend against these attacks. So with that, settle back and we look forward to having you on eCrime Bites Episode 5.
Hey, Seth. Hey. So we're getting a few listeners that are listening to our podcast every week, and it's been pretty awesome. And um, I try, I try my hardest, and I'm, I know I'm not that good at it. We're only on episode five, and we're going to get better every episode. We're going to get better, but try to explain things so you don't have to know much about computers and still enjoy the true crime aspect of these episodes that we've been putting out there. And I have to give a shout out to my sister-in-law. She knows who she is, and she has a normal name that ends with Jones. But back in the day, my young niece, and it's always the youngest, when she set up my sister-in-law's McDonald's app, didn't put her full real name in there. Actually, just put in as her first name, Tall, and her last name, Flamingo. And so now, every time my sister-in-law goes to McDonald's, they call a tall flamingo and she just, she answers like it's her name. She's like, yep, yep. That's me. The other day she told me she was there and she heard them say something. And she's like, I'm sorry. Did you call Paul? And the McDonald's person goes, no, no, tall, tall flamingo. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. So she likes to say, and I know she's listening to this, that she's such an anti-computer person that she doesn't even know how to change her name in her McDonald's app. And yet she still listens to every episode and enjoys it and we, we try to explain it to the level that um, you don't need that computer background and anybody can enjoy it. So uh, from now on, um, we'll just know that, you know, the, the bar here, the bar we're trying to set, Seth, is to make Tall Flamingo understand this and happy with our podcast. Noted. I think we can make it happen. Yep. All right. So for this um, particular case, we're going to, there's a lot, this guy does a lot of stuff. His name is Plugwalk Joe. And he does a lot of stuff and we're going to try to give you the dates and when he does it. And we're going to try to explain to you what he does. And sometimes we know why he does it. And sometimes we don't, um, because you know, we get this information from court paperwork and, um, the best firsthand news sources that we can. So you're going to have to go with us on us and we're, we're going to try to give you all the details. Cause myself, when I listen to this kind of stuff, I like to hear the details, but we'll try to back up every now and again and look at the 10,000 foot picture at what we're talking about. So just try to hang with us on this stuff. So on April 30th, 2019, we have an executive that suddenly lost service and we'll call this person executive one. And that's just because what the court calls him because it's anonymizing who it actually really is. And if you've listened to our first few episodes when we talked about SIM swapping, this is one of those things that's a indicator if you're a victim of SIM swapping attack is your phone just loses service because someone else has basically taken over your phone number and put it on a phone that they own instead of you having it attached to your phone. So, you know, as a defense person, if your phone suddenly loses service, you got to think, you know, that could be a bad thing. That could be a SIM swapping thing if, if you're a target of one of these attacks. So um, within hours of the SIM swapping attack, the attacker took control of the company's accounts because this individual was an executive in a company and all the computer systems in that particular, that victim company. So May 1st, which is, um, what's that, the day after? The attackers changed the G suite, which is the Google accounts of several employees. So um, a lot of businesses will use Google as their productivity vendor. 
and Google will have their email for them. They'll have their Word document editing capabilities. They'll have uh, cloud drives. Yeah, it's for companies who don't use to use you know, Microsoft 365 world. G Suite is a, is a different option. Yep. And um, so basically, you can think about this as it's sort of the, it's the backbone of this corporation. And so if attackers get in there and they gain access like they did, that's a very, very bad thing when you look at it from the company standpoint. So when this happens, employees inside that victim company now can't access their accounts because usually these attackers will gain access and then change the passwords to something only they know. That's, that happens after the SIM swapping attack. A lot of times with the SIM swapping attack, they'll gain access to your phone number and then they'll ask Instagram to send the um, reset information to that phone number and um, they will, uh, once they gain access to that account, will change that Instagram password to something that the actual real owner doesn't know. And now they're also locked out of their account, which is a very bad thing. So while inside this company, the attackers then diverted cryptocurrency from the company's wallets to wallets controlled by the attackers. And if I remember correctly, this company, there's, industry was cryptocurrency so this is kind of like you know this is their golden eggs this is what their company is all about and basically attackers went in there gained access controlled the cryptocurrency and stole stole it and transferred it out and when the money was total up at the end of the day it was approximately seven hundred and eighty four thousand dollars that was stolen so on may 4th a couple days later now 2019 uh, attackers performed a sin swap on exec on excuse me on additional executives executives two and three. An attacker accessed executive three Skype account uh, and was using that Skype account to send messages to a group chat that was set up for the company's employees. Attackers said in Skype company one uh, had been compromised. Yeah, company one, one is the the victim company's name. Right. It's anonymous. So we had executive one's phone, the company one's accounts and computer systems, and theft of crypto, which we already talked about. So attackers also asked questions of company one's employees regarding computer infrastructure and employee cryptocurrency holdings. That's really important. So this wasn't just an asset that was owned by the company. This was actually customer uh, customer money. Quote, after stealing and fraudulently diverting the stolen cryptocurrency, O'Connor, and we'll come back to that, and his co-conspirators laundered it through dozens of transfers and transactions and exchanged some of it for Bitcoin using cryptocurrency exchange services. And ultimately, a portion of the stolen cryptocurrency was deposited into a cryptocurrency exchange account controlled by O'Connor, unquote. So a couple of things here. This is a pretty uh, dense sentence in terms of, you know, relating it to our crimes. One, you know, we talked last couple episodes about following the money. You follow the money, ultimately you're going to find your bad guys, and that's clearly what happened here. Uh, and second of all, you know, it's it's no matter how many times uh, you can rotate your money through, or stolen money rather, through a laundered process, it is still trackable, and that's what happened here as well. Yeah, and a couple notes. We have this quote here because of the court documents. So it's one of those chicken and egg problem things. When I try to tell you a story and I try to tell you with the real documents, sometimes I got to get, we gave you his last name, which is O'Connor. So plug walk, Joe, it's not a big secret. This is who we're talking about. His last name's going to end up being O'Connor. And that's why, um, when Seth is talking through the quote, it was the quote from the court paperwork later on, once we knew who 
his name was. And I wanted to back up a second, which was imagine being an employee in that victim company for a moment and not knowing that there's a compromise going on and an executive sends you a chat about something important like, uh, you know, how do we have our database set up or what's the admin account for our yeah. domain controller or, you know, who's our uh, vendor for X, Y, Z. If someone is an executive and they ask a junior employee, which is pretty much everybody when you have an executive asking about these type of questions, a lot of times employees are usually want to please and they will answer. And a lot of times over chat, there's not a lot of, Authentication. So, for instance, if you use Slack chat at work, um, a lot of companies use that as an internal chat. Once you're on Slack chat, it's like you're you're authenticated. You know, you're part of the company. So when you're in there, the conversations are loose to the extent of you talk about corporate stuff there. So somebody, an executive asking about, hey, how you know how do we have our database set up, might not be weird, and somebody saying, oh, we use MySQL on this, that hosting service also probably is not weird because that's just kind of how technical companies work nowadays. So even though we're, we're, we're talking about these things and it sounds really suspect because we're talking in the, the sense of, um, this crime and how it's occurring, you know, from a true crime standpoint, from a victim standpoint, a lot of this stuff, even the phone going offline to some extent, isn't all that weird. I mean, if you have a crappy cell phone service, you know, I, for, for some reason, my cell phone would never work in my kid's elementary school back in the day. Like every time I went into the, into the gymnasium there to watch or play or whatever, it was like, it was a dead zone. I couldn't text. I couldn't get calls or anything. So phones dying, not that weird to people. But when you look at it from the sense of, you know, Seth and I telling you this story, starts to look kind of weird because, you know, the phone died, but then, you know, there's these questions coming over to Slack. And then, you know, I just want to point that out that um, it's not that the victims were, you know, any, by any means like uneducated or dumb or trick, you know, they were tricked, but like, I'm sure they meant their best. All the victims meant their best in this, even though it sounds like, you know, information was uh, passed over pretty quickly. Do you have anything to add to that, Seth? I mean, I was going to say, you know, anyone who works at a company, I think generally they assume that, you know, once they've logged into their corporate network, if they get, you know, a, a Skype or a Teams phone call or they get a chat somewhere, you know, it, it's probably somebody that has been authenticated. Now, that's kind of blurring a little bit. I know, you know, many companies will interact with a, a you know, a third party, um, you know, and you got to be a little bit careful about, you know, what you're saying because, you know, it might be a partner company, but they may not be privy or should be hearing about, you know, an issue that's not pertinent to their relationship with you, but that's getting into the weeds here. So I think what Keith is saying is very accurate. Like, yeah, we're looking at this holistically. We know there were hacks on three executives on their phones, and then they got access to Skype and access to the G Suite. So, you know, a random employee wouldn't know when a senior exec pinged them that it wasn't in fact them. Um, but, uh, you know, it, that's what kind of makes this so scary is, you know, if you were the actual junior employee just sitting there, how would you know that executive one pinging you was in fact, not that person, you would have no idea. Yeah. And I definitely want to get the thought across too, that we're not trying to bag talk any of these victim companies in any way. This is just what happened. And we're just looking back at it sort of in a flight, flight data recorder type of sense. Yeah. 
So um, I just want to put this in here because it's going to be important later. Between June and August 2020, there were three more individuals that were hacked in unrelated crimes. Which is a year later, just so we're clear. So a year has gone by that, you know, it brought in these additional three people. Yeah, and they were so involved and they were so ugh that we got to, like, separate them out and talk about them separately. But since they're a different type of crime, I'm going to save them to the end. So we're going to get back to what these uh, this individual did um, with Twitter, which was on July 15th. 2020. And if you w- listen to our last episode, a little bit of this is going to be um, a repeat, but we didn't give you the information about Plugwalk Joe. So that's the, um, that's the new information you're going to be hearing here. So on July 15th, 2020, as we told you, the Twitter hack happened. And uh, during, or it was about six days later, there was a search warrant that was executed at the home of a juvenile that ended up being what people thought was LOL, the moniker LOL. Well, this person also in this, if you remember in our last episode, we said that they interviewed him. Well, this person, LOL, claimed that the account Shinji communicated with him over Discord for access to a particular Twitter account. And so um, I guess the juvenile identified Sh- Shinji as Plugwalk Joe, the subject of this episode, um, who is also the individual who's been, you'll see, he's identified a bunch of different ways, but uh, his name, his full name is Joseph O'Connor. And just as so, an aside, I, 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 I had to understand why would someone call themselves Plugwalk Joe? That actually is um, an active uh, name or moniker, rather, I guess, um, or term of art, shall we say, on the famed Urban Dictionary. I'll leave you guys to go check it out. It's uh, it's interesting, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. I've seen so many weird monikers. It, it didn't really phase me. I, this is probably one of the more safer ones that we could actually say on, on the air, too. That I went yeah, through. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. So this person that inter- was being interviewed by law enforcement that had the search warrant, executed at their house, um, identify this individual as Plugwalk Joe. And Plugwalk Joe was known for compromising Twitter accounts previously. And he was known for putting the text, literally the text, Plugwalk Joe in a message associated with the hack. So, you know, Seth, it would like, you would break into your account. And then the first thing he would probably do is take Plugwalk Joe, the string, and post it on your Twitter account. To right, say, like I was here. Plugwalk Joe yeah. was here. Yep. So during... The Twitter attack that we talked about uh, of 2020, Plugwalk Joe inquired about several accounts, including Donald Trump's account, um, senior, not junior, from what I remember. And then um, the individual LOL, the one that's being interviewed by law enforcement, added Kirk, which was one of the individuals that facilitated the attack in the last episode. He basically... (laughs) Added Kirk to a chat with Plugwalk, Joe, but it was like the most awkward chat ever, Seth, because it was like, you know, LOL, I guess, um, was talking to Plugwalk Joe. Plugwalk Joe wanted to buy some Twitter accounts. So LOL is like, all right, hold on. And then he puts them in like a three-way chat. And then Kirk's just like, what the hell? You know, he he didn't say this out loud, but it was kind of like, what the hell, man? Wouldn't talk to him. 
wouldn't communicate right. or anything. So it was like the most awkward chat ever that just no didn't honor happen. among thieves either. No, for sure. No, no. So, um, at this point, um, LOL also indicated that Plugwalk Joe used a discord name with the word insane in it. And he couldn't remember what the rest of the moniker was, but you'll see later on that the discord moniker comes up and there is one with the word insane. And it. it's pretty, pretty obvious. So, uh, I, I mentioned this name Kirk and I don't know if you remember from the previous episode, Seth, but Kirk was Graham Clark. He was the one that gave you the really evil look in the slide. Oh yeah. Fantastic. Also the one that had the porn hearing. Right. The Remember? famed porn hearing. Yeah. So he was also interviewed by authorities too. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. So I try to keep these cases in chronological cause that's how my brain thinks. And I try not to rewind too much. So that interview happens at a later time. So we'll come back to that one. Right. So, so, but flashing forward in time from the July time frame, now we're at the end of August of 2020. We know Laugh Out Loud was interviewed again as part of a proffer agreement. Laugh Out Loud said that the Discord hey, account um, with... I'll stop you for a moment, lawyer. Do you yep. want to explain what a proffer is to us non-lawyer people? Well, in this case, I believe it was uh, probably in exchange for some kind of leniency. Yeah, I mean, as I understand it, it's basically you can say... You have to say everything you did. If you left anything out, you can be charged with that as a crime later. But if you tell us everything you did, it's not going to be used against you now. That's yeah, kind of how I think I that understand. sounds accurate here. But anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. So laugh out loud. LOL says that the Discord account with Insane in the username contacted him the day of the Twitter hack, which again was July 15th of 2020, and he introduced himself as Joe. LOL. So I mean, if you're going to be a hacker, would you use your own name, Joe? We told you his name was Joe O'Connor, Joseph O'Connor. I wouldn't. But then again, um, you know, Joe is a fairly broad based name, right? Could be Joseph, yeah, could, be yeah, Joe, you know, could be a lady, Josephine. Who knows? Um, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. So LOL also had a 20 minute voice call with, quote, Joe over Discord. Laugh-Aloud said Joe's voice had a heavy British or Australian accent. And I wonder if I could tell the difference myself. I think I could. I think I'm pretty sharp enough to tell the difference between an Australian and a British accent. But who knows? Uh, authorities showed LOL a video posted by at Shinji, who we know previously is an uh, alternative moniker for Mr. O'Connor, also known as Plug Walk Joe. And he confirmed it was the same voice um from the voice chat he had with joe previously yeah so earlier when i was saying that we start to see signs on who this person is you're seeing like they're starting to put the pieces together on who this person is because first of all he's giving his he's giving a name that's very close to joseph and um later on he's just going to do some stuff that it blew my mind so um let's go ahead and talk about august 25th to 28th and this is when i promised you um that Kirk, we would talk about Kirk being interviewed. So this is the day. So Kirk online, quote unquote, Kirk is Graham Clark. And he said he was the only one in control of the Kirk account. And he claimed to have made 40 K from selling access to the popular stolen Twitter accounts. Now Kirk was approached by Plugwalk Joe to change the display name of the handle. It's just the number six. So in Twitter terms, it would be, at six. So it's very, very short. Um, he wanted to change the display name of at six to PWJ, which is just the initials for plug Joe. And he wanted to change a profile picture to an anime picture. 
So then Kurt told him he claimed that uh, they did not sell access to the at six account, he said, but he did make the account change uh, with these hack tools that they had into Twitter's admin access at the request of LOL, I guess to like prove their powers or something along those lines. Right. So this gets interesting now. So those of you familiar with uh, K-pop band BTS, uh, Joe had asked for access to the Twitter account BTS to shout out an Instagram account at K-pop. So the FBI pulled the records for uh, K-pop to learn that it was registered back in November of 2019 using an email address of re I guess it's React Joe 1337R at protonmail.com. So there's another variation of uh, Mr. O'Connor Joe there. So a couple of small notes here. IP addresses were discovered uh, using a specific account, among others, and that these IP addresses will come up again. Yeah, and I'll make a tangent here. Um, the way his email address is set up, and I just know this from working online and these type of things. So it's React Joe, but then it's 1337R. The 1337 stands for L-E-E-T, Leet, and it's at ProtonMail, which is... um. Uh, like an encrypted mail service. So immediately kind of look at that and you're like, that's a strange email address. It's not like, it's not an address that you typically see associated with a grandma or a grandpa. Now, as I said, we, <laughs> when we start talking about how the name Plugwalk Joe gets associated with Joseph O'Connor. So Plugwalk Joe starts communicating directly with authority. So he calls this investigator that, I don't know his full name, and they just refer him in the court paperwork as the initial CT, back in January 2019. This is for me, like, th this is really where the case started to get interesting. I was like, why would he call the invest, it, like, is he taunting them or something? Like, he's going to give, he's going to give his presence away. But he did, because one of the things he did was he claimed his name was quote unquote, Joseph O'Connor, which ends up actually really being his real first name or his real full name. So the investigator listened to the caller and he matched it up to the calls made by, or calls made to a defendant in an unrelated SIM swapping case that was in jail. And it, the, the voices matched. So, you know, the investigator, now that he's heard, this person who claims to be Joseph O'Connor and he's heard their voice can now go to other tapings that they have of just other things in unrelated cases. And when he hears the same voice, he can go, Oh, that's Joseph O'Connor. That's Joseph O'Connor. So that's what he did. Um, he found it in a, one of those jail recorded jail calls and said, Oh, that's Joseph O'Connor. And um, during the call, Joe claims to have moved to Spain because of death threats and other legal activities. We're going to find out it's actually a different reason, but it sounds sexier if you're if you say, "Hey, I have a lot of death threats and I do a lot of crime. I got to move to Spain." And um, Joe then comes back to the investigator. So when we were talking about it earlier, he, when he was talking to the investigator, that was in January 2019. Joe doesn't stop. He then comes back to the investigator and he talks to him later, even after the Twitter attack on July 15th, 2020. Yeah, so Plugwalk Joe at this point is trying to avoid blame for this Twitter hack. And he completely throws Kirk under the bus, right? So in additional conversations with uh, the CT, the investigator, Plugwalk Joe says he has nothing to do with the Twitter hack and that it was, quote, all Kirk. 
And in July uh, 2022, uh, had sent a message into law enforcement's tip line from, quote, PWJ, we know that's Plug Walk Joe, and an email address, this one's called Daisy Morrow Fams with a PH uh, C53 at Gmail. And that IP address was an address we saw earlier associated with Plug Walk Joe. In addition, he provided a Google voice number that he had been communicating with investigator CT on. So the next day on July 23rd in 2020, investigators and FBI called him on this number. So a couple of key points here. One, the individual identified himself as Plugwalk Joe, and he denied purchasing access to that at six Twitter account, but he did have the account name and profile pictures changed. And then last, investigators tied the IP addresses of the Google Voice accounts to the IP addresses accessing the at K-pop account, Joe Controlled. So, Keith, let's connect the dots here for our audience. Yeah, let me first talk about a couple technologies. First of all, we've talked about IP addresses, and we've I think we've mentioned this every episode, but I'm going to mention it again. This is just a numerical address that computers have for identifying each other on the Internet. And... Uh, in the case, in this case, it's just basically four numbers. It's like the number one dot number two dot number three dot number four. That's just, that's all it looks like. So when we say IP address, that's what we're saying. That's what's happening behind the scenes. The other is Google voice. So if you're not familiar with being able to use voice services over the internet, like, um, for instance, um, you could do texting over the internet. Um, sort of over, over virtual numbers and so forth of a non-physical phone number. You can send send and receive text from that. So, for instance, I might not have a cell phone number, but I might have a Google Voice account, which is sort of like a virtual phone where you're assigned this real phone number, but you can log in using the website and you can send text messages and you can actually call people just like a real phone, but it's just all virtual or a soft phone. So those two technologies are the two things that uh, Seth touched on on July 22nd and 23rd of 2020 uh, that Plugwalk Joe was using. So basically what's happening is Joe is calling in to the authorities and he's trying to say, it wasn't me, it was all Kirk. And during that time, um, he also sent a message via email into the tip line and he used his initials PWJ on there, I guess, to identify himself. And when he did that, law enforcement started pulling identifying information from that communication, which gave them the IP address or basically the the destination or the computer, the source computer that sent that information. It's that address of his computer. Investigators were able to pull that from that communication is what Seth was talking about. And then um, once he provided this Google voice number, the, the FBI just simply called him. So they called him on that Google voice number and he just started denying a lot of stuff like the at six Twitter account that we talked about earlier. He didn't say, Oh, I didn't have access to it. He's basically, well, he did. He said, I didn't purchase access to it. He didn't say why. And we kind of know why it was probably because it wasn't sold to him, but he did, um, fess up to having the account name and the profile picture changed. And then they took that IP address and they basically went back to that K-pop account earlier and said, yep, that matches here too. So hopefully that ties some of these technical aspects together for you. 
So the investigators now dig into Plugwalk Joe's social media. So they identify IP addresses from the Twitter Plugwalk Joe account uh, were accessed by the same IP addresses seen previously in this case. So they matched the Google Voice IP addresses, as Keith just mentioned, and they also matched to a specific Snapchat account that was listed as uh, j.oconnor99, so Joe O'Connor. And back in May of 2018, Plugwalk Joe literally posted his childhood passport on Twitter. Yeah, there's so we lots have the of easily connected dots here made by investigators. Yeah, so Plugwalk Joe didn't do a lot to try to hide himself. Um, I mean, he did some, but you know, it wasn't. It it looks like it wasn't that difficult for investigators to be able to connect the dots on who he was as a person. So, furthermore, uh, in August 2018, Plugwalk Joe had posted a video and. The voice matched the voice making calls to investigator CT. The investigators matched the IP addresses from the J. O'Connor 99 Snapchat account with IP addresses in this case. And the Snapchat account also had Joe's childhood passport photo in it. So again, even more connecting dots here. Uh, how many, how many passport pictures of your passport do you keep in your social media accounts? I, zero for me. I, zero for me. <laughs> that, that seems like a very weird thing to do, but... All right, so investigators continue to dig into Plugwalk Joe's social media. And so they look into that Snapchat account. Um, I know we're throwing a lot of different accounts at you, and I didn't want you to get hung up on the different names and so forth. So we're trying to just tell you in, in the sense of which social media account they're looking at. So Plugwalk Joe's Snapchat account also had an audio file with the same recognizable voice that investigators heard when Plugwalk Joe called them directly. Um, there's another video file. They looked at that same recognizable voice also in the Snapchat account. And then the investigators start looking in that Sinji Twitter account that we talked about a little earlier in the episode. And they find that there's a January 1st, 2020 direct message uh, to someone saying, follow Plugwalk Joe, new twit at Sinji. He will follow back old followers. So he's basically saying in this direct message to other people, follow Plugwalk Joe this Twitter handle, the Sinji one that we talked about. Um, that's me. And if you follow me, I'm going to follow you back. And then another DM on that date, January 1st of 2020, uh, he said to someone, tell her, you know, Plugwalk Joe. So, you know, he's connecting these social media accounts together by just using the name, just using the name, the string Plugwalk Joe, because that's very, very, very specific to him. Uh, July fourth of 2020 another dm from sinji had a video with joe's recognizable voice in it so his um very uh recognizable either british or australian accent is um in that video which was in this sinji account the sinji twitter account so he's basically putting himself in access and in control of a bunch of very relevant accounts to the different crimes that have been happening So July 15th, 2020, that's the day of the Twitter hack is where we started. So a Twitter user DM'd Plugwalk Joe with a picture of the internal admin Twitter tool used for the Twitter hack. And Plugwalk Joe tweeted pictures given to him of this tool. And investigators reviewed they, uh, at Shinji's Twitter activity and found that he only accessed profiles that had been compromised in that July 15th Twitter hack. Yeah. So if you want to say, I, you know, 
it wasn't me. This is just totally random or whatever. The, the guy tweeted pictures of this tool that nobody had access, unless you were apparently a Twitter employee or the attacker that had access to this admin tool. And then his his activity, he only went to places and looked at profiles of ones that got compromised. You know, he didn't go look at anybody else, only the ones that got compromised. So it's really looking like he has um, some type of uh, hand you know, either directly or indirectly in this attack. And I'll just read you some of the names of the profiles he viewed that were all compromised. One was called Lost. Another was just the letter W. Dark. Ah, I guess that's the D star star K one that we couldn't figure out on the last one. It's dark. Uh, another one is Alone. There's Vampire. There is Y, just the letter Y. Binance, just the number six. Mr. Beastie T, which sounds pretty incredible. And the <laughs> last one is Arceus, A-R-C-E-U-S. And then um, what they did is then they correlated what they were seeing on Twitter with what they were seeing Plugwalk Ju- uh, Joe do on Discord as well. So, you know, when they... When they <laughs> when an attacker starts giving their identity out like this and the investigators can take one account and say, this Twitter account is also the same person. That's this, this discord account. That's also the same person. That's this Skype account and so forth. They're able to um, do a lot investigatively. So what they did is they were looking at Twitter, but then they went over to discord to see what else Plugwalk Joe was doing. And you saw he was, by the time they got the logs, um, his user was deleted. So, um, it just comes back as um, the message sender as quote unquote deleted user, but it says, right. yeah, but it has his user number and all that kind of stuff in there. Right. Uh, but the message says, I want at six, how much for at lost was why inactive at alone at vire. At, I'm sorry. At vampire is locked. I think it's locked. It's misspelled, but it looks like it's locked. Yeah. So all these profiles are profiles that we just talked about earlier that, um, were compromised that Plugwalk Joe is tied to. And now, he, you know, all that stuff that we talked about in the last episode, episode four, about um, the Twitter attack. Which included now, Ad Vampire, by the way. Yeah, which included Ad Vampire. So all that stuff now is Joe somehow has a hand in either directly or indirectly. Right. So there was additional uh, Plugwalk Joe IP address correlation by investigators, right? They were able to... Um, correlate the at Shinji Twitter IP address. Those match the Discord IP addresses. Those IP addresses belong to VPNs, which is what hackers use to masquerade their IP address with the VPN's IP address. Now, however, the consistency of VPI, excuse me, VPN IP addresses accessing known and suspected accounts for Plugwalk Joe was also discovered here. Yeah, so if I could put in the layman terms what that means, it's let's not even talk about like IP addresses for a moment. Let's just talk about VPN providers. What attackers will do is a lot of times they will go out and buy a service called a VPN, which is a virtual private network. And they do that. So the IP address, <laughs> there I am talking about IP address already, but the IP address that they want in the logs that the investigators are going to see, they don't want it to be theirs. They want it to be somebody else's. And in this case, they want it to be the virtual private network provider. Um, some of them out there are um, like uh, 
private internet access. That's one company that provides it. There's like, you know, Surfshark and, you know, there's, there's literally thousands of companies out there. And what you do is you can go there and you can even buy access in Bitcoin and be totally anonymous if you wanted. And you basically buy access and then you run um, some sort of application on your computer that then takes all your traffic to the places you're going and runs it through that VPN services. So that way the destination then thinks the person visiting them is the VPN and not you. So that's what they do to sort of hide themselves it's basically the easiest way that an attacker can hide themselves. And what that last bullet Seth was talking about, about doing correlation is not all VPNs have a lot of IP addresses assigned to them. They might only have a handful in a particular company or I'm sorry, a country. And so for instance, if it's coming out of Austria, there might be only one person using that VPN address coming out of Austria, going to that service on that particular day. So when the investigator said they correlated this, this information to plug walk Joe, that's the type of analysis that they had to do. They had to go look at those logs, figure out, you know, which VPNs were accessing the destination. And then later on, knowing that plug walk Joe used the VPN, basically put that last little investigative link that, piece to the puzzle together and then could see that, you know, plug walk Joe was using the service in order to try to stay anonymous to attack these websites. So I hope that gives you a little bit of a flavor of what has to happen behind the scenes, um, at least from the technical standpoint, when we talk about some of these things, if you, some of you probably don't care about the technical, feel free to jump over that. We're going to go ahead and get right back to the case now. So let's get into the discord analysis here, right? So investigators reviewed plug walk Joe's discord account. They were able to see that the name at one point was, quote, beyond insane, unquote, which matches LOL's claim. The IP address accessing Discord was a VPN in Spain. So a user messaged the account and said, Plugwalk Joe, question mark, as in, is this Plugwalk Joe? And the user responded, sure, what you need. Really, really <laughs> slick on that part, by the way. Not who are you and what are you asking for? Uh, investigators saw the group chat with Plugwalk Joe and Kirk where Kirk would not deal with him. So this is another user provided Kirk's Bitcoin address to Joe. So you have all these different little ways to isolate, you know, uh, who is who here, right? We have the Bitcoin address, we have IP addresses, um, you know, we have consistent handles being used across different chat functions. Very interesting. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to point out was the IP address coming from Spain was from an, a VPN. But I thought what was interesting is we know he was from the UK, but he was... Uh, he was actually doing school in Spain. So he was in Spain, but he used a VPN out of Spain. So it's not even like he tried to hide his country. And then somebody asked him, are you plug walk Joe? And he's just like, yeah, that's me. All right. So the next, <laughs> this is kind of funny because like Seth said earlier, there really is no honor amongst thieves. So a user said to Joe, we need to snitch, bro. We need to snitch on Kirk. And I thought that was pretty interesting because, well, the rest of the conversation was deleted, but the investigators was, they were able to get this chunk and we don't know what was discussed, but at some point, these people, which included Joe, they were thinking about rolling over on Kirk. And then there's um, a conversation that the investigators got between Kirk and anxious about Joe and anxious was one of the monikers. It was, um, what was it? I'm so anxious, I believe, or ever so anxious uh, in our last episode. So we just called him anxious from there on out. 
And I believe that was Moss, if I remember correctly. Anxious was Moss. I am Moss was the one that we talked about. But anyways, there's a conversation between Kirk and Anxious about Joe. We didn't give you this last episode because we didn't tell you who Joe is, but now we can. So uh, why don't you be anxious, Seth, and I will be Kirk on this one. Cool. So what the investigators have starts here. Would you do at six, 10K? Yeah, and basically he's asking the at six handle that we talked about earlier. So then Kirk says, I have at six ready with password. Assuming that, I, I assume that means Kirk is now saying, yes, I will give you that handle for $10,000. He asked if you can put this, the AVI on six with PWJ on the display name, LOL. So... Let's pause on this. A couple of misspellings here. Um, but I have no idea what AVI is. Uh, I think on six means at six with PWJ. We know it's Plug Walk Joe on the display name, LOL. I'll probably know and figure it out after I'm not on the spot recording a podcast. But I believe AVI somehow means that profile picture that they talked about that was changed earlier to anime. And the PWJ is basically just tweeting the name PWJ or, or something like that to basically say, Hey, it's me. I am here. All right. So then Kirk says not on the AVI. That's weird. Well, I guess maybe not. <laughs> I guess that means not the profile. And Kirk goes on to say update PWJ though. Then anxious uh, says, I'm sorry. I, I, I missed a line here. I'm sorry. Yeah. So anxious says he said, you can make this AVI. Well, he said, he said, can you make this AVI? Yes, I'm sorry. He said, can you make this AVI? We should re-edit yeah. that. Yeah, well, it's hard because they don't, they don't have any uh, question marks or there's no punctuation in here. So yeah. if you wonder why we sound like second graders talking about it, it's because it's, it's presented to us in second grader writing. But So then Kirk says, done. So AVI, yeah, we're going to, we'll totally figure that out after this episode. Um. Kirk then says, can you list at six for me? And then Anxious says, the guy I was telling you about before will buy it. Kirk says, okay. And then there's, you know, more Discord chat from Joe. Um, there's another chat that Joe says, I live in Spain, but I'm from England though. So these things are all, what the investigators are seeing, everything's starting to match up with Joseph O'Connor and Plugwalk Joe. So we have initial court documents that show that Discord chats show that Joe knows how Twitter was hacked. The user of the deleted um, deleted user uh, account number, I guess that was Joe, also demonstrated inside knowledge about the hack of Twitter on July 15, 2020, in a conversation with an unknown user who deleted his or her side of the chat, stated, Twit tools use Slack. I don't know what he's saying, honestly, and Slack as leverage for company VPN. I believe the term Slack, and that's S-L-A-K, as a reference to Slack as an S-L-A-C-K, a business communication platform developed by Slack Technologies, utilized by Twitter and many, many other companies. Twitter provided information to the FBI, indicating that as part of the hack of Twitter, Twitter employees were socially engineered via Slack and a follow-up telephone call, which directed employees to a fraudulent VPN website 
that was used to steal login credentials. So this is exactly how this hack occurred. And these statements evidencing uh, these deleted users' knowledge of this method of compromise preceded the first time it was publicly reported in the media. Yeah, and I have, there's a lot of things I need to explain in that whole passage. First of all, Seth read a lot of that verbatim. So when it sounded like he was having a stroke and it says, like, Twit Tools uses Slack, I don't know what he's saying, honestly. Slack leverage for company VPN. That's that's literally what they were saying. Yeah, that's saying. quotes so he, from the court documents here, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's literally what the attackers were saying. So um, let me translate into layman speak. So... What these users are talking about, and one of them is associated with Joe, Plugwalk Joe, is they're saying Twitter uses Slack. And Slack is a chat service that I believe I talk, we talked about this earlier in this episode where internal people can get on there from the same company and do business. A lot of times it happens when you have employees that are spread across the world or the U.S. and they work remote and don't work in an office, you come together in something like Slack. So they're saying that Twitter uses Slack. Twitter is a distributed company, at least it was before the Elon purchase. And um, what they're saying is once they had access into Twitter's or they have access into the Slack, they can then use it as leverage for company VPN, which I read that as they can start to social engineer other people on Slack to do things like get into the company VPN. That's that's what I inferred from that. Um, and then later on, you know, that, that was the attacker speak. And then later on, what the FBI did is they um, went and... Uh, you know, got information, got evidence from Twitter after the attack, and they found that Twitter employees they were social engineered via Slack, and they were also social engineered over the telephone. So, what people would do is they would get on there and say something to them in Slack, and they would give them a follow up telephone call to give them the warm fuzzy that there was a real human behind it, and maybe from the same company. And what they would do is they direct an employee to a fraudulent VPN website, and when the employee would go there to type in their real VPN credentials, it was an attacker website. They would just steal those credentials. And then now they had access into that corporation. So that's layman speak of all what the attacker said and what the, the court document said. All right. And this is a point where there's a very hard shift in what Plodwalk Joe does. So he's very specific with like Twitter and, and getting access to the accounts up until this point. And I did a chronological skip and I said, there's some victims that I'm not going to talk about now because there's different types of crimes. Well, these are the victims that we're going to talk about them now is what I'm saying. So after the Twitter attack, did plug walk Joe stop there? No, of he did course, not. Of course he did not. He was busy hacking three other people that we know of, probably more, but three people during his other 2020 hacks. And we're going to tell you about them. And I, I'm so, uh, like, I'm embarrassed, but not embarrassed that I got to tell you. So August 15th, 2020, Addison Ray's TikTok account was compromised. And I was like, yeah, I know what TikTok is because I'm a computer guy. But then I looked at Addison Ray's name and I was like, I don't know who the hell this is. And I had to actually Google it. And I imagine, like, my kids probably know who it is because... You know, it's an internet, they, they said that 
I think it was Wikipedia said she was like an internet personality or something like that. And she's younger. So I was like, you know, I'm just like, I'm way out of the age band for this. I didn't know who Addison Ray was, but I do know who at least one of these other victim was. And we'll get to that other individuals in a second though. So Addison Ray, she was very high profile on TikTok. Um, the attackers gained access to her account and they changed the account name to Joe and Zach one. Cause a lot of times when these attackers gain access to other people accounts, they want to show that they access it and they'll put some kind of string that means something to somebody, but not necessarily to everybody else. And I'm sure Joe and Zach one means something to somebody. Um, the bio, and I thought this is funny. Bio was changed to plug walk, Joe, Zach and Crippen. <laughs> like, like the gang, like C R I P P I N Crippen. Fantastic. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. Multiple videos were posted to the account. This is Addison Ray's account when it was compromised. The first device to access the account after somehow, you know, somehow it was compromised, but the, the investigators can go back after they had compromised and say, what was the first device to access it? And when they did that, they saw that the same device then access another TikTok account called Joe complex. And you can see a pattern here. Joe doesn't really change up his names a whole lot. So Joe complex was, um, probably going to be plug walk Joe when investigators, um, looked into the Joe complex, TikTok authentication. They found that it was also authenticated or I'm sorry, was also associated with the Yoongi on Twitter spelled Y O O N G I. And they found when they did the log matchup between TikTok and Twitter and so forth, they found they, meaning the investigators found that the IP addresses match. So it's the same. It's most likely the same person accessing this TikTok account, Joe complex, and also accessing Yoongi on Twitter. And then, um, May and June of 2020 Shinji, which is another account. I told you we're going to be throwing a lot of account names at you. All right. We heard Shinji, Shinji before though. Yep. Shinji says in a DM to somebody else, I own Yoongi. So now Shinji is the same person, at least by their account as Yoonji, which is the same person IP address wise as Joe complex on TikTok, which is the same person that logged in first to Addison Ray's TikTok account. Who's a person that Keith Jones did not know until this episode was born. Are you with me, Seth? I'm with you. I'm, I'm looking All at right. my notes here. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm trying to draw out the, straight. the little bit of evidence here. Um, there's a lot of points that the investigators can put together. So if you put that aside, there's another Snapchat account and we'll just call this the dog account. There's this dog Snapchat account that's out there. There's a, a, it was linked to an email account. <laughs> Joe is a dog at protonmail.com because Joe, Joe's always got to put his name Joe somewhere in his accounts. Right. right? Joe so, is not particularly shy or creative, I guess. But why I'm this account is important name. is because this Snapchat account has multiple screenshots of the Shinji Twitter account. And it also references Plugwalk Joe. And it has screenshots from Joe's Discord chats, the 
quote unquote beyond the scene account that we talked about earlier. It had hundreds of images, audio files, video files of the user account and voice sounded like uh, Plugwalk Joe, the one that you know, we've been matching up to this point. The, the account also had chat messages and images related to Addison Ray's TikTok compromise. So stuff that the attacker of that compromise would only that person would have uh, ended up in this dog account on Snapchat. And then we also saw this other person on Snapchat communicate with this dog Snapchat account. And it says, I've got victim one, which is, um, uh, I believe that's Addison Ray. Let me go back and check real quick. I believe it is Addison Ray. Yeah, it should be Addison Ray. It says, I got victim one's number two. She's sprint. So they're starting to figure out that she's sprint. And this is already like the neck hairs the hair on the back of my neck stood up because I'm going, Oh, they're going to try to SIM swap her. That's immediately number two. She's sprint. Cause they're figuring out what uh, phone provider she has. They're probably going to try to do some kind of, of uh, SIM swap on her. So more Snapchats from the dog account dog then sent you a screenshot showing he could edit Addison Ray's TikTok profile, which is only something Addison Ray should be able to do. When investigators looked at the IP addresses accessing uh, Ray's, Addison Ray's TikTok account, they showed it also matched an IP address matching an Instagram account. Now get this, the name is Joe, but at least he changed it up a little bit. It's not just J-O-E, it's J-Zero-E. Zero-E, right. Yeah, which is actually, that account is also known to be Plugwalk Joe. So we have another account that he's linked to. And uh, let's see, on August 15th of 2020, so in the time frame that we were talking about these three individuals, a video was posted to Addison Ray's TikTok indicating her nudes would be available on Discord. And the voice in the video had a British accent saying, yo, join these service, man. I'm sorry, it said, yo, join these servers, man. Plug walk. So then... Plugwalk Joe performed a SIM swap to compromise her account. So my spidey sense was correct. When he started asking questions about what her provider was, it was probably to SIM swapper. Now this, I'll let you take this victim. This victim I actually knew. I didn't have to um, do a Google search for this one, but she's about the same age range. I think of Addison Ray. She's younger, um, you know, a social media star. And um, well, I think she's bigger than that. Right. I mean, so Bella Thorne is a fairly well-known celebrity. She's obviously, I think, expanded her celebrity via social media, but I believe she was a Disney star who I think has dabbled in various other media, um, including not starring in, but I think uh, involving herself one or another in the adult world. Um, but either way, has a very large social media following. Uh, I think she's done a bunch of modeling as well. Uh, and she's fairly young. I want to say she's probably in her mid-20s. So in June 2019, Bella Thorne's Snapchat was compromised. So she was victim two. This is a SIM swap attack. Uh, there were nude images taken from the account. Hackers attempted to extort Miss Thorne not to post the nudes if she publicly thanked them. The, the nudes were also found in the J. O'Connor 99 Snapchat account. So we actually have a, a snippet here from the court documents that state... Um, that I am aware the telephone number belongs to victim two. In the message, victim two stated, quote, 
feels so weird, someone I don't know looking at my personal shit. Unquote. The hacker responded, quote, listen, do the tweet and we good? Question mark. It'll be the entire internet looking at your personal shit. Just do my tweet. So clearly you have some kind of racketeering, um, you know, uh, holding her, her, her personal items hostage here. She's clearly a criminal act. And, and frankly, just, you know, in line with what we started with, this guy was a real piece of work. Yeah, and later on, he even took a, a screenshot of him accessing her account and posted it on his account, the J.O'Connor99 account. And I just put it in here. Um, it's not nude or anything. It's just like a, it looks like a sort of like a cell phone wallpaper in a way. And it just shows that he has access to her account, like all the notifications from Snapchat are popping up and so forth. So he he took that that's his way to say I have access to her account and he posted it, you know, for his friends for bragging rights, probably. Yeah. Well, this one, you know, I kinda had to hand it to her. She decided to release her nudes before the attackers did. And she basically posted um uh, a post that said, I'm going to read you what she said, you know, quote unquote verbatim and basically put them in there. And it even kind of explains the pictures. It says, quote unquote, here's the photos he's been threatening me with. In other words, here's my boobies. So F you. And the last 24 hours I've been crying instead of celebrating my book while doing my book press. So she basically put it in her hands and decided to release her nudes. So she didn't have to worry about, the attacker's doing it, you know, I, it sucks she had to do that, but I guess that's the best case scenario for what, <laughs> yeah, for what she could come out with. I mean, it was either her posting it or they were going to post it. Well, it's like, thanked. it's akin to shooting the hostage, I guess. I, I think if she thanked them, they'd probably post it anyways, you know, the attackers meaning. Yeah. Okay. So there's an IP address correlation. Um, the IP address is accessing Ms. Thorne's account. Also access the Joe with the zero in it, Instagram account. And I guess that brings us to, uh, Bella Thorne fights back. Keith. Yeah. And I, I already pretty much talked about this. So at, um, on June 15th of 2019, when she basically had enough with this attacker, she said, you know, I was threatened with my own nudes and, um, she posted the screenshots of the text message with Plugwalk Joe, who was extorting her, and she did release the nudes. And um, she said she did that so that way Plugwalk Joe couldn't take yet another thing from her, which, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> At least she was able to put it in her terms. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? The guy, the guy had... You're going to see in one of my conclusions at the end is basically don't put anything personal in your social media accounts in case stuff like this happens. So it's it's a difficult position to be in to have personal information in there and then have somebody compromise it. it you know, it's you're kind of under the gun at that point. So the third victim. So we talked about Addison Ray was the first victim. We talked about Bella Thorne was the second. The third victim, we don't have this person's name because she was a juvenile and she was 16 years old and Plugwalk Joe this is when my skin really started to crawl. So she was a victim in Garden Grove, California. And June 25th, 2020, a uh, Google Voice number, so that's this virtual cell phone on the internet that we talked about, uh, ends in 7414. We may talk about that later. 
called and he said he caught his wife cheating and planned to kill her and his six children unless he received 50K. So this, this call didn't just happen to this um, uh, victim. No, it went into 911. So right. this person claimed that he caught his wife cheating and he planned to kill her and his six children unless he received 50K. And he also said if law enforcement shows up, he's going to kill anybody responding. So immediately, you know, everybody's going to be on alert. And he said his children were, God, I'm so sorry. This is from the court documents, but he said his children were black and he wanted to kill them because black lives don't matter. And he also stated he had a Molotov cocktail. So if you think, Plugwalk Joe couldn't have gotten low with Bella Thorne. He just keeps pushing. Well, but this isn't even sensical, right? I mean, so like he's claiming that he has six children and that they're black, but he's going to kill them because black lives don't matter. I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't really make any sense to me. Uh, (laughs) And it sounds like, you know, you have somebody who's just throwing, you know, awful things at the wall to see what sticks here. You do. And. The thing is, is the voice was English or Australian, meaning like British or Australian. The police, I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do. They dispatch, they sent everybody over there to the residence. And um, the caller also reported to the fire department that the residence was on fire and also stated he was going to kill his family. So he really wanted a response over to this residence. Now, here's the thing. Officers respond there. They probably had guns drawn. There's probably you know, hundreds of officers, probably like 20, 50 cars. When they arrived there, the family had no idea about these calls to law enforcement. No idea. Right. How All these that? officers showed up, you know, thinking that mayhem's happening. And, you know, it was probably just, it was some family just watching TV, had no idea why. Um, so the officers obviously, you know, didn't believe him probably on the first go and did a search. They didn't turn up any victims or any type of crime. So really they were, this was a swatting. So what Seth talked about at the beginning, this is the textbook case of swatting. So it continues on June 25th, 2020, a high school in Garden Grove, California received an email from Mark Wood Johnson O2 at gmail.com with a certain IP address. It says, hello, my name is, and they rejected the name, but it's the name of the uh, juvenile girl in here that we're talking about. And it says, I will be shooting up schools in Garden Grove, California at random times on Tuesday. I will be aiming at minority students, black, American, Asian, etc., as they need to get the fuck off American soil and give us our freedom back. And I'm not going to read this, but it says, all those N-bomb do is rob and steal. I also snuck in over the weekend and put pipe bombs in duffel bags with bombs in them. And I apologize for the language, but that is exactly what he said with a little bit of editing on my part. But I had to stop not on, well, first of all, ugh, like this guy gets more and more unlikable every time he, he does something to somebody, to another victim. So in a nutshell, he sent this email that basically says, I'm going to shoot up a bunch of people and I'm going to blow up stuff. He sent it to his school. So obviously that's going to get somebody's attention. Right. That same day, there's posts on Reddit. And if you don't know what Reddit is, just it's kind of like a forum on the internet where people can post pretty much anything. Um, there's a lot of venting and things like that. People complaining about their jobs and so forth. But 
On June 25th, 2020, there's a post on Reddit threatening Joe's Crab Shack and Coco's Bakery Restaurant in Garden Grove. And this is this is the text again, quote unquote. So it's, hello, my name is the juvenile's name. I will be shooting at people at Garden Grove, California at random times on Tuesday. I'll be aiming at minorities, and I'm just going to skip some of this here because it just goes on about minorities. Yep, he says the same stuff about getting off soil and giving our freedom back and drop some more racial slurs. And he says he planted pipe bombs in Joe's Crab Shack and at Coco's Bakery Restaurant. So again, this is probably going to get somebody's attention. And then the same day, so we got two email threats that went out, and now we get a call from a male that says, and this one, God, this guy just pushes the boundaries. So yeah. he receives a call from a male identifying himself as this juvenile female who stated he was a transgender going to blow up an airport in 24 hours. He requested, and I don't even, I guess it would be he is the right pronouns, right? The, the He requested, well, the caller. yeah, the caller requested $60,000 or else he would kill everybody at the airport. The caller directed the money be sent to residence one, which is this residence that was swatted earlier. The, the family that had no idea why all the cops showed up. Right. The call originated from that 7214 number, which is that Google voice number that I gave you the last four digits a little earlier. I gave you the number just to say, hey, it matches up with this number too. And um, shortly after that call, an individual believed to be the same number, well, the same individual called back and said, I have an AR-15 with a silencer and I just killed my wife. I told you guys to come. In the call, he provided his address as that residence again, and now he gave him a new telephone number. Um, when the investigators looked at that call, they um, also looked at calls with the investigator, that CT individual earlier, and they you know, basically compared the voices between the two calls and said, yeah, this is the same person. This is the person that identified himself as Joseph O'Connor. So here we have law enforcement had contact with victim three. So again, victim three was a victim of being swatting. So victim three did not live in the residence involved with the swatting, though. She lived near the house. She had a similar name to our original Jane Doe. Victim three said she met a 21-year-old online four days ago named Joseph, who said he was from Spain in a Discord chat. She stated his Instagram account was Joe with the O being a zero. Victim three was 16, and Joseph was sending her inappropriate messages. And this is, again, from the court documents um joseph's instagram account was joe with the zero e joseph began sending victim three inappropriate message which included saying he would quote kill or him and her and uh fuck his or her dead body victim three also showed uh ggpd which i guess the police department over in europe um not europe but where was gg do we know that Keith? Uh, garden i think it was garden grove yeah, Garden in California, excuse me. A picture from Joseph excuse me, a picture from Joseph that depicted his penis. Stop. The picture stop, included. Stop. Stop. Why is it? Why is it whenever a dude gets a chance with a girl, they send a dick pic? Like we're in the middle of a compromise. Twitter's going hey, you know, it's going haywire. He's compromising all these accounts, but he still still has time to send somebody a goddamn dick pic. 
So that offended you more than the fact that he would fuck her and then his her dead body? <laughs> I don't know, man. I I this guy he had me a long time ago, and when we start measuring measuring the offensiveness rape, so he's yeah, like, I'm not a fan he's, of the he's dick a, pics, but uh, I'm also uh, happily married, and my wife doesn't need to be sent those pictures. She'll make fun of it in real life. All right, the picture included <laughs> comments such as "fuck your mouth," "come down your stomach," "into your stomach," excuse me. Victim three received this picture after informing Joseph he or she was 16. Victim three also stated that Joseph had live streamed a call to police on Discord. Victim three was not aware of how Joseph was able to figure out the area in which she lived. So we have a lot of crimes here, right? You have an underage person. Um, you have, you know, uh, various threats of physical and sexual assault and violence going on here. I mean, this is pretty heavy duty stuff. Yeah, and he continues on. He starts calling. He does. He continues calling not only her, but then starts calling her relatives on July 16th of 2020 using that same one of the, he has a couple of Google voice numbers. So one of the Google voice numbers he's been associated with that he was, he called the investigator on. He's also calling these victim number three's relatives on. So we know basically that means we know it's him. And even if you don't know it from the phone number, he identifies himself as Joseph. And while he's identifying himself, he threatens to kill the person he calls. So when I was researching this case, I was just like, he just, he just calls people and threatens to kill them. Like it's a little more subtle in the other cases that we have, you know, it's kind of like online threats and so forth, but this guy just calls right to it. Yeah. Yeah. Calls relatives and just says, I'm going to kill you. And apparently on one of the calls in July, he called her on FaceTime. So I don't know if that call was recorded, but now you have a, you know, actual image to associate um, with the victim. But a couple of points here are kind of disturbing. So uh, this was a victim three on FaceTime from another account called Yuck with three uh, Ks, eight two eight at yopmail.com, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, Joseph apologized for his actions, but he thought victim three deserved it. Victim three claimed, quote, I'm only 16, exclamation point, to which Joseph responded, wow, you're actually really young, but then continued to make sexual comments toward her. This fact disturbing, though. The call lasted an hour and eight minutes. I'd like to think that if my children were involved in something that was clearly something that offended them, they wouldn't be on the call for over an hour and eight minutes to take it. That poor goddamn girl, man. Oh, that must have been But she could have hung up. I mean, I'm just saying, yep. she could have hung up. Uh, she's 16 and he's kind of threatening, you know? I mean, yeah, she could have hung up, but she's probably scared about what happens. He's calling her relatives at this point. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm 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 just saying if it were me, I would have hung up and called the cops immediately. And, and I'm in my 40s. Um, but what do I know? Yeah. All right. What I thought was interesting is um, she does know information about Joseph. The victim knows information about Joseph. And she shared it with investigators. So investigators got more of a picture of about Joseph from one of his victims. She knew that Joseph was born in the UK and that he went to school in Spain. And I know I told you earlier about him going to school in Spain. I didn't, back then I didn't tell you where we knew. This is one of the places that we now know he went to school in Spain. Earlier he said he had death threats and all this other stuff. He, he was just going to college basically is how I took it. And that she also knew that Joseph had been doxxed and learned his name was Joseph James O'Connor online. And doxxed 
if you missed one of our prior episodes, just means someone took your personal information and posted it online for other people to harass you. She asked him if his name was Joseph O'Connor during these, you know, FaceTimes and chats and stuff that they had, and he said yes. So he, he's linking himself to the crime. And then um, she also said that she endured significant emotional distress from the experience with Joseph, which, good God, I can understand that. So now we have the dog snapshot data. The dog snapshot data um, account, rather, was believed to be Joseph. Investigators found several audio files, which appear to be recordings between Joseph and victim three. And one recording, Joseph said, I doxed you and called your mom. I doxed you. Is that fucked up? Recordings were from June 25th, 2020. This is the day Joseph harassed victim three. And Snapchat text messages between Joseph and victim three included, uh, Joseph gave her, uh, quote, Joseph at T-H-U-G, as in thug.org. And next day, keep my name out your mouth. Yeah, so he's basically just continuing. These are the same threats that we saw earlier to her, but what we are saying with this is, he saved that those threats as videos and audios and all that kind of stuff in his dog Snapchat account. So these could have been lost forever, but he saved his own evidence. So investigators linked Google Voice to email to Reddit, right? Lots of different points here. Um, investigators linked the uh, 7214 number that Keith had mentioned earlier to the email markwoodjohnson02 at Gmail. Uh, they were using the swatting. And uh, it was a known IP address. Investigators reviewed the records from Reddit and found that the same IP address was used to post the threats there too. The same IP address was used to access Joseph's Discord account and Twitter account as well. So a lot of connecting points here continuously. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're really putting the dots together. So I have a section here where I have all the IP addresses and all... um, the different act, how he accessed all these accounts over time. And I'm not going to read you every line, but I just kind of want to give you a flavor of what type of data that the investigators had. So um, in most of the cases, the IP address that Joseph or Plugwalk Joe used, it came out of Spain, which correlated with the VPNs that he used and correlated where he was going to school. We have several runs of IP addresses that match. So when you're bouncing around in life and on the internet, your IP address can change depending on where it is you're physically at. If you're at like a coffee shop, it might be one IP address. If you're at home, right. where you log it'll in be another right. IP address. So what investigators are doing is they're putting runs of connections together. And what you see is the same IP address will connect to joconnor99 at j0e Instagram account, a Discord user, Shinji, all within a certain time period, you know, within the relevant time period that we've been talking about. And then you'll see the IP address will change, but you'll see, again, another run of the same accounts being accessed with the joconnor99, the joe Instagram account, the Discord, and the Shinji. And you see this over and over and over, and you see how these accounts are linked together using IP address like that. And as we go on, we start to see the other things that 
Plugwalk Joe starts to do. He starts to log into his at Plugwalk Joe account itself. Uh, I believe that one was um, Twitter. So they use that and they connect it to the other accounts that are connecting via these IP addresses. We see um, that Daisy Morrow fams SC. That was one of the email addresses that was used in a threat that was tied to an IP address that was tied to the Plugwalk Joe account. So what the investigators did is basically made this really big spreadsheet of a chronological timeline of crime with the accounts that are accessed down the left-hand side, the IP addresses that accessed them down the middle, the dates right next to those, and then the country of where the IP address comes from. And you could see it, you know, with, I, I couldn't read this to you because you just wouldn't get it. There's so much data, but when you, your eyes skim this chart, you can see a definite correlation of one person likely being all these accounts because of the IP address correlation that they do with the email addresses that created the threats, the Instagram accounts, the Snapchat accounts, the, uh, the Joe complex accounts, the TikTok accounts that, um, you know, Bella Thorne, Addison Ray's accounts are in there. All this stuff's in this, um, chart. So I wanted to at least bring it out and uh, talk about it at least out loud with you, Seth, because I thought it was pretty impressive. Did you have any comments you wanted to say about this? No, I mean, I think that, you know, when you break down the analysis this way, you can see, you know, he had a fairly wide number of aliases on different, you know, social media sites and whatnot. But at the same time, there's a jarringly consistent number of IP addresses, timestamps and locations here. So, you know, you don't need to be a data analyst to be able to figure out, you know, that this is one person. And, uh, you know, so it really, you know, actually uncomplicates the complicated. I have the first, first nugget of good news for you, Seth. May 14th, good news. May 14th, 2021. The criminal complaint was filed for Plugwalk Joe in the United States. So it contained all aspects of his hacking between 2019 and 2020. So his Twitter involvement, his, um, Addison Ray, his Bella Thorne, his um, juvenile girl threats, swatting, all that stuff is now officially in a complaint. And so then on July 21st, 2021, Joe was arrested in Spain. And I took the, um, the perp walk pictures that the news left in there. The, so there's two pictures. There's one on the left. I, I got from one article. And that sort of looks like, would you say he kind of looks like he's sitting in a, uh, like a school photo, like a class photo of some sort, Seth? Like he looks yeah, very I mean, prim and proper, his hair's cut. Yeah, he's, he's wearing like, like a, a sport jacket. jacket and like, you know, uh, khakis and he, he looks like. Um, really res you know. like respectable looking, I would say. Yeah, I mean, a little bit obnoxious looking, but, you know, he, with, a, with a look on his face, but yeah. He's clean. He's clean cut. He looks like the talented Mr. Ripley. On the right-hand side is the perp walk where they got him in Spain, and he looks pretty close to Ted Kaczynski. His hair's long. It's down to his shoulders. They're wearing masks. Of, he's, he's in shorts and weight. a T-shirt. He's put on some weight. He's in handcuffs. He looks clearly unhappy being where he is between two police officers, and it was just a stark difference from uh, the picture on the left. So, that, so we had the grand jury indictment of Plug Walk Joe. This was back uh, in August then a month after he was um i guess arrested so this is for the sim swapping yeah. attack and the cryptocurrency theft don't forget he stole 
almost $800,000 worth of cryptocurrency in addition to all the other awful crimes. So U.S. authorities issued an indictment for Plugwalk Joe, also known as James, James sorry, Joseph James O'Connor. He is from the U.K. And they stated that Plugwalk Joe was part of a larger conspiracy, which we know is true. All right, Seth. So when I do these, when I research these cases, I try to do one last look before we record them like we are right now. And I got an update. On February 17th of 2023, Spain orders extradition of Plugwalk Joe. So he is heading towards the U.S. So hopefully at some point in the future, we can give you an update to this episode and let you know what it is that's going on with Joe in the American court system because I'm pretty sure with the path that we described for you, if your mind isn't blown, um, this is going to be a... Unless he just says, I did it. This is going to be a very, very long um, and drawn out, uh, requiring a lot of evidence in his trial, I would imagine, with the amount of crimes this guy put down. What do you think? I think there's so many crimes against him. The issue, I think, is going to be, you know, which ones can they lock him up? Because there's lesser crimes, right? So I don't know which crime carries more time. The the theft of crypto of almost $800,000 or, you know, the, the fact that he was harassing a minor, sexual, you know, there's definitely sexual assault here, uh, even if it's online, um, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a litany of crimes here. There's threats of death, which is illegal. It's it's pretty problematic. Yeah, and that just leads us, so we're, we're done talking about the case because now we're up to today. We're waiting for to see what happens when he gets to the U.S., but um, that leads us into our conclusion in that, you know, I don't think it's one any big secret. Our our number one point on this is Pogwok Joe was very active in his crimes. I mean, he he like Seth said, he went from sim swapping, he stole money, he hacked Twitter, he hacked uh Addison Ray, um, Bella Thorne, then he's even if she was of age and he treated the third victim as he did, that was bad enough. But then there was the fact that you know, she was underage and he was trying to do all this sexual stuff. Like this guy, this guy just didn't stop. And um, I'll just go ahead and take the next bullet on this one, Seth. Um, I thought, I thought it was amazing that he did not hide his identity very well. These. No, I mean, and you have to wonder to put on your psychologist hat, was there an element of almost trying to be proud of what he had done? I mean, there was a whole life, you know, plug walk Joe was here kind of situation. He didn't really hide the fact that his name is Joe or Joseph. He clearly had a distinct accent, right, which helped link him in multiple audio and video recordings. He, he had called put, the I mean, they were childhood, but there were pictures of his own passport on there, which I'm sure had other distinguishing information on there. Um, and he again, openly told his victims his name. Yeah, and he called investigators. Yeah, well, that I, I'm still trying to understand <laughs> what his mo was to actually, you know, proactively reach out to uh, to authorities. Yeah, and you know because of that, this this is my next point in this um, podcast episode is because he let out so much information. Investigators very easily connected several dots between known accounts, and they went to Discord, they went to Snapchat, they went to Instagram, they went to Twitter, they went to Google Voice, and when he shared enough information that they could, um conceptually link those counts together based upon like the content that he was giving them. 
they could also go back and do the correlation based upon the evidence itself. So once you know one of the account's IP addresses, then they could go to one of the other servers and say, or one of the other services and say, show me all the accounts associated with this IP address. You know, and it's like their their investigative net gets wider and wider. And in this case, he gave them so much information that their net got wide very quickly. And we see, you know, what, what the end of the day is, he's being extradited to the US for it. So we know hacking from an outside country can still get you extradited to the United States. Yeah. That's an important um, point. Uh, it depends on the country, obviously. Um, the uh, Some countries will export you to the United States. Other countries won't. Um, I said export. Well, extraditing. Close enough. <laughs> You're exporting yourself. Yeah. No, I know what you meant. I mean, yeah, it might have been different if the, if the user was in North Korea, where we have less diplomatic relations, for sure. Um, so that's a good point. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, later on, we'll take a look at hacking cases that come from countries that you don't have cooperation like you do with Spain. In this case, it sounds like Spain agreed with the United States, put him on a plane, and he's heading back to the United States, and it was pretty simple. Right. Yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, so to be clear, hacking from an outside country can still get you extradited. Now, does it yeah. matter where you are? It does, I'm sure. I'm not an, an expert in international law. But um, if it's one that doesn't have a terrible relationship with the United States, they're going to extradite you. I would assume that. And then the last one is, and this should be fairly obvious, but clearly not, um, leaving nudes in your social media accounts is a bad idea. Someone can very easily break into your account and get them. We've seen this for the last 20 years, I'd say, happen to innumerable celebrities. There are specific websites that specialize in this kind of information. Um, so, but even if you're not a celebrity, do not assume privacy is guaranteed. And, uh, it's just generally a bad idea to do that. Yeah. Wasn't it, um, the iPhone or the iCloud? I want to say it was like, are we, it's probably close to 10 years now. Has it been that long? I'd have to look it up. But the one where the attackers went through the iCloud storage and pulled all the celebrities and there were some celebrities in there that had their nude photos that they sent to their yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was called the and, fappening. I think it, I said it spawned yeah. a whole website on this. But I mean, there's probably thousands of ripoff websites. It's not new. It is hackable. Like I said, all you need is a username and password and you're in. And um, just storing your things there, you know, just because it's in the cloud, you know, and, and as a guy that works in a big corporation, you know, we got to be careful, right? Because we do believe cloud storage is where it's, this is going anyway. But like any other kind of, you know, storage, there has to be certain security protocols put in place. And with that, that's the end of our episode. Um, I will now let you know how you can contact us. And we do. Feel free to email us or you know, shoot us a note on Twitter, Mastodon, or whatever you find up there on our website. Um, if you like the case or if you see other cases that are interesting, you think might be interesting to us, feel free to send us those too. But I'm going to take you out now, uh, give you our social media presence, and then we hope to see you on episode number six. Thanks for listening and see you then. Bye. Thanks all. You can reach us at our website. It's eatcrimebytes, E-C-R-I-M-E-B-Y as in yellow, T-E-S dot com. Across the top, we have all our social media links and we have our podcasting apps. Um, all of the links there are clickable so you can get um, 
to the different ways to contact us or listen to our show. We even have our email address down at the bottom if that's how you prefer to contact us. What else can you do? Well, assuming you like the show, we hope you will subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And if you really like the show, please do leave us a positive review. Uh, A review on something like Apple Podcasts or Spotify helps move our podcast up the chart so that people who haven't heard us will hear us the first time. So if you do any of those, we do appreciate it. And we look forward to hopefully seeing you on our next podcast. Thanks. Bye. Light it, light it, fucking light it. Or pick it up.